0: Hello and welcome to the Knowledge Without College podcast. This is your host Patrick Butler and today I got a different kind of episode for you. I had a conversation with a man named Sean Leverage. Sean grew up in Los Angeles and had really it was a chaotic upbringing you know between gangs and violence and seeing crazy stuff happen around him to the people that he knew growing up uh, and, and we talked about a lot of challenging situations and uh, overall Sean is the man. I'm really glad that he came on and, and shared all these stories with us because it really gives you an insight into uh, what some people are going through and, and how difficult it can be to, uh, to have a difficult upbringing and, and translate that into a successful, you know, normal life after the fact. So I'm really grateful for Sean for coming on and sharing all this stuff. And, and I, I hope you enjoy this episode. It's a little bit different, but it's uh, equally as valuable as all the rest. So please, without further delay, enjoy this episode with Sean Leverett. Hey, Sean, thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor to have you on the show.
1: Hey, Patrick, how are you, man? Thank you for having
0: me. I'm doing excellent. And, and, uh, thank you for coming back on. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, to learning about your story and and how you got to where you're at now.
1: Yeah, I, I know based on our last conversation, man, and you know, you and I talked off the air, you know, we have that connection, which is great. Um, you know, it it goes more in depth to you know my background, which I love talking about. You know, because it inspires people, hopefully hopefully. Uh, but you know, thank you for having me back, bro, to tell my whole story. So I I appreciate you for that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So where where do we begin, man? Where where does it all start? Where where's where's the <laughs> beginning point?
1: Oh man, I, I if you want to go all the way back to February eighteenth, nineteen sixty seven, I was born in the back of a fifty seven Buick. Wow,
0: (laughs) (laughs) starting a life of turbulence. Yeah,
1: and you know, you you don't know that, uh, but my mother, I have have two older brothers. My mother, being my mother, uh, would not give my father the satisfaction of him telling her that she needs to go to the hospital, would not give him the satisfaction. So by the time she said she was ready to go, I was ready to come out. And so jumped in the car, sped to the hospital, l a general which is downtown l a here uh backed into the on ramp and out I came uh from what I understand, I had the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck, and from what I understand, my pops tore it off himself. of course, wow. I don't remember any I, I don't remember any of these things, but yeah that that's the story, and it hasn't changed so that that is how I got here man we
0: <laughs> so and- you know, besides the uh, <laughs> crazy sorry to kick us off, what uh, like you know, I know where you're at right now. You've you you're you know in a really much better place. You got a business, you got a family, and you got a lot of lessons to share with everyone that they can you know learn from and take away from. Really, regardless of where they're at in life, right? Right. Uh, so I mean, let's take it from you know, like, when did you start to notice that the environment you're in maybe wasn't, uh, you know, probably wasn't suitable or, or, uh, really a, a, you know, the ideal environment to be growing up in and how'd you respond? You know,
1: to it? I, I'm honestly, Patrick, I mean, honestly, man. Um, and, and this is where, like I, I and this is not an eye thing, but I, I can identify with people who are in the struggle or people who grow up in certain environments where they don't necessarily see a way out or they don't know any better. Um, we, we grew up in, in a, it's not a middle class, but because we didn't know, we grew up poor and we didn't know it because we always had the essentials. Uh, there were never any less than five or six of us in a two bedroom spot, uh, but, but we didn't know because you know we always had food, we always had clothing, we always had shelter, we were always clean, the house was always immaculate. Um, my, my, my father worked, uh, my mother did, my father had a seventh grade education um you know we, how that, the neighborhood the neighborhood was well to us like any other neighborhood because we didn't know any better. We didn't have anything in the neighborhood um you had churches and you had liquor stores, you had a few mom and pop stores here and there uh but there there were no outlets for kids, there were no organized sports for children or anything like that for us growing up, so with that, whatever the environment became, you actually, you just initiated and became a product of that. And I I don't knock that at all. I really don't. I don't knock that at all. Uh, But on the flip side of that, it was different back there in the sense that you still, you always had, uh, there was a sense of community where you had mothers and fathers raising their kids. And it was okay for a mother and a father of a different family to discipline you if you saw yourself going in a certain direction. So we, with that, you know, we, we had a sense of community. You know, we, we played football in the street. We played football at the park. We played basketball at the park. We created our own games. Um, and, and it wasn't until, I'd say, late elementary school where gangs became prevalent, where you kind of, you were expected. And this is, this is the nutso part, where you were expected to join a game. It, it was like a rites of passage sort of thing. It was just like the next step. Um, and back then, it wasn't so much where you would like, uh, initiate. you were initiated going into a gang and you were doing violence against someone else. You were just part of like, it was almost like a club, almost like a club. Uh, but you were divided by neighborhoods. But because there were only, where I lived, there was one major junior high school where I lived. There were a couple, two or three elementary schools, but one major junior high school where I lived. You all went to the same junior high school and you all got along. It didn't matter what colors you wore, what gang you were a part of, You all got along until someone told you different that you should hate this individual or you need to do damage to this individual. And with that, a lot of that became where you were, even if you weren't part of a gang, you became guilty by association. So if you lived in a certain neighborhood, it was just, it, it was just automatic. If someone saw you where you, they would approach you based on the neighborhood that you lived in, not based on anything that you did, not based on you being an affiliate of any gang in that neighborhood, but just based on where you live geog- um, geographically, um, you were expected to be part of um, something that was their enemy. And, and I hope that makes sense to like, to the people who are listening, because a lot of that has changed now in the sense that that guilty by association and that affiliation thing has progressed to where if, let, let, let's say your older brother, your, your older brother was part of a gang and that family is going to grieve not only for their own, but they're, they're going to be mad neighborhood and they're going to be mad at you specifically so it's it's that same violence where we are um even today so when the, the kids today are not wearing colors that they're not based on them uh, their affiliation is not based on a red thing or a blue thing they're just associated with the gang life most of them now it's based on how how, how it's tra- how it's transitioned from them and their neighborhoods and how their neighborhoods have progressed.
0: I find that really interesting. Um, what you just described there, that kind of environment, uh, because there's some parallels there to, it's almost like a tribal way of living in a couple of ways. One, where you mentioned there's sort of like a shared community, like where, you know, it was okay to be disciplined by somebody else's parents. That's something that, you know, it's sort right. of, it's totally not acceptable today. Like if, if another parent out right. of at, at school was displaying your child, you'd freak out, you'd no. get pissed. Um, right. but that's something that, you know, like in a small, like Amazon tribe is actually, you know, totally acceptable because all the parents have a shared sense of, uh, you know, uh, wanting to see young people grow up the right, right. way. Right. which it, i find it, that not, really interesting on one end it's like a nurturing aspect of like right. a tribal style and then on the other end where people are attacking each other based off where they're from and that's it and not based off their merits or what they did
1: no no not and, and you're, if i got in trouble let's say i got in trouble six blocks away you know and and it wasn't such that you got in trouble for anything violent it, it was just stupid stuff you know um throwing rocks at a bus or, or, or something along that line. And they would nip it in the bud right then and there. And you didn't have the, the luxury, and I won't even say it's a luxury, but the, the presumed luxury at, as, as, a, as a child, as an adolescent, to speak back to those individuals. You just absorbed whatever they were doing. I've been, I, I've had my ear pulled walking down the entire block just for demonstration by a parent. By the time I hit the door, I was in trouble all over again. My ears were hot and red. I mean the back of my neck someone has grabbed me by the back of my neck, asking me what I had been doing but it I mean, but it worked, you know, and that's I think that's a lot of what we don't have today where if if you're being raised by uh, someone who's telling you that it's okay for you to be whoever you are, where it's okay for you to be yourself, you don't have to listen to anybody, you don't have to you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Then you send that child out into the world and you expect that child to function that way. And the world is not on one accord with what is going on in your house. So you're going to have conflict that there's no way around not having conflict. The difference back then is that we could not get away with it anywhere, anywhere. So with that, it it was, it it was a, like, like you said, it it was a policing, it was a tribal environment where it, it was not good across the board. So it was, it was reinforced no matter whether you were at home or whether you were outside of the home. And that's, that's the difference now, like you said, where you don't want people disciplining your kids. And I think a lot of that has to do with you not knowing the intention of that person disciplining your child. Because you have so much, uh, so much, I mean, you have things going on or being done to children by adults that are not in their best interest. So with that, you know, I, I understand that worries. but on the flip side, like we just talked about, it was a totally different time. Um, and I remember the first time uh, I, I, you know, our first time I held a gun, the first time I held a gun, I, I, I guarantee you, I was in elementary school. The first time, you know, I shot a gun, I guarantee you, I was in elementary school. The first time I, I saw a dead body on the street, I, I'm i pretty sure I was in middle school or junior high school back then. And, you know, certain images you cannot unsee, certain things you cannot process and pick it up and just move forward. And the things that happened in the neighborhood where I lived happened so quickly. And I mean, it seemed like it was overnight. It seemed like it went from being a community to a community or or a neighborhood at odds with everyone else. I mean, literally it seemed like it happened overnight um, how 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 much of that do I want to
0: tell uh, what were the names of the of the you know gangs like are they the gangs that people think of today oh, wow. or is it oh
1: wow Uh back where where I lived back in where I live, there, there were neighborhood crips. Now, neighborhood Crips back in the day, as far as Crip gangs, where we were, it was one of the biggest gangs in Los Angeles because it expanded to certain streets. It, the neighborhoods expanded to certain streets. So you had them as far as 6, 7, 68, 69, 89, 76, 102nd. So as far as um, size of the gangs, it, it, it was huge. It was huge. Um, crip gangs. Uh, Pyrus, Blood, I mean, as far as the Blood gangs, you had Bishops, uh, you had Pyrus, which were, you know, extended to Compton, uh, but you, you had small cliques because the smaller neighborhoods did not have, it, geographically, the smaller neighborhoods uh, didn't have uh, a loyalty one way or the other, so they came up with their own thing. You had Beach Town Mafia, you had Kitchen Crips, you had Cat Gang. you had Compton Avenues, um it, it, it was you know and these are all guys that we went to school with these were all guys that we went to school with and then when the girls started becoming prevalent in the gangs it, it just it, it, it was it was weird it was weird but then again on the flip side these are people that we played ball with or we you know had uh junior high school dances with my brothers went to school with their brothers and my older brother went to school with their older brothers so to watch that dynamic where all of a sudden I have to be weary of you and how you might, might view me, I, I, I remember coming over to your house as a youngster and playing with you your boy, my older brother and your brother played together. So it, it, was, it, it was a really hard thing. You know, when you look at it now, it, it was a really hard thing to process. Well, well Why? Why, why, why do I have to hate him or why can't I hang out with him or you know or why is he my enemy it was a it was a really it it, it was it was mind-boggling it was a really hard thing to process um but the gang thing um w- w- where it all changed and you know and I, there there was no one moment, one particular moment i i, I will say for me anyway uh we, we my my friend and Bobby and I were hanging out one night. And the local gangsters, I'm mean like the real gangsters. We, we lived in a T-bone alley. I'll try and make this where everybody understands. A T-bone is an alley that goes all the way down one way, and there's an alley that crosses it on one end all the way. So it's shaped like a T, a long T. And the guys, we could see them over my fence. We could see them all hanging out in the back of the alley. I'm, I'm, they might have been drinking, shooting dice, or something. Not sure what they did. And a brown van comes pulling up through that T-bone in the alley. So with that, the guys, what did they do? They back up against the fence. And we can see the van pull up. But what we can't see on the opposite side of the van is that sliding door open. And they shot up just all the fellows who, who were just standing there um, and rolled off. So one of the guys went and got his car took um, tried to take a few of them who had been shot up to the hospital and two people died that night. Uh, after that, the neighborhood was hot where you my brother would not let me go outside. I can't tell you how many people died that summer man I really can't um, and it's I'm sure it's documented but not documented because it happened in the neighborhood. It didn't happen in an affluent area where it affected anyone else's community except the one that we lived in. So with that, but that was the hottest summer. I guarantee you, as far as uh, gang deaths, as far as people being shot, killed, and locked up, th- than any other time here in Los Angeles. I guarantee you that uh, it, it was uh, it, it was different because the neighborhoods weren't safe anymore. We couldn't go anywhere anymore. We couldn't. We what, couldn't hang out. What year anymore. was that? That was the early. How was to see? Uh, so I'd say nineteen eighty one. Gotcha. And yeah.
0: was there, did, was this sort of like a system, like this gang system that sort of evolved that you were caught off guard by, you know, because you were used to playing with the kids in your neighborhood and that sort of thing. And uh, was that a system that you sort of inherited, like existed before you for older kids? Or was that something that sort of
1: evolved during your generation? It, 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 it evolved. It was it, it evolved um, because back in the day you had, and I'm I'm not sure how much uh, you guys know, but the history of gangs here in Los Angeles, and I know they, they associate Bloods and Crips and which ones came first. Crips were around first. Crip Crips were around first, and it was it wasn't a gang where they were doing damage or plotting against anyone else. It was just it was more like a club. Eventually they branched off and became a gang, and also. Because there was division and problems within, that bloods became a problem. And with that, it, it, it's like um, how, how do I explain that? My my oldest my oldest brother, who's gone now, uh, he, he he was one. He was not one of the originals, but he was one of the originals. <laughs> he was one of the originals. My father was a gangster. My father was a gangster in the sense that he didn't belong to a gang, but my father ran gambling houses. He was a strong-arm man for local knuckleheads and that kind of thing. So with that, you know, we watched it evolve, and but you knew what was going on with each facet of your family. My, my grandfather, my uncles, all these things. And you didn't know to what extent until you became an adult and you find out some of the things that they were a part of. Like my uncles, you just knew they were in jail most of the time. You didn't know why, or the people that they hurt, or you hear these stories. Uh, I mean, I've heard stories about my grandfather, true story, my grandfather taking his two sons, my father and my brother, to go rob a gambling house. My grandfather, I, I, I couldn't imagine grabbing my two sons, my, my future son-in-law and you know my, my, my grandson to go do anything harmful in that fashion, you know. But these are the stories that you hear as adults. But these are things that were going on when we were kids, our youngsters. So it, it, in in a sense, you watched it. You watched your neighborhood transform. But you were kind of just, you know, brought into that situation by, by, by association, by by who your father was, or by who your, you know, your parents were, so to speak. Um, the neighborhood where we were like you say it it wasn't always that way it wasn't it wasn't always that way there there was uh we we walked down the alleys at night without a thought of anyone doing damage so without a thought of anyone harming us, if you ran across someone hey what are you guys up to and it, it became whatever it became i mean you weren't fighting people back then there was none of that going on but that was uh, the point I was trying to make before. It seemed like it changed overnight. It seemed like it changed overnight where you just, it, it wasn't safe for you to do the things you were doing any before or someone would approach you back in the day. No, no one would approach you, you know, and ask you what gang you're from. And based on you saying no gang, they beat you up based on where you live. I remember when all these things happened or they want to rob you or or fight you or, or we weren't gangbangers. I, I, I'll use this as a scenario. And this is, this is jumping a little bit further ahead. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't want to be a part of what was going on anymore. I did. So I hung out with fellas in the neighborhood who had the same mindset and we were delegated enemies based on that. We we were their enemies because we didn't want to be part of what they did, which 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 is insane. And these were the guys who we called friends. These were the guys who we hung out with. Um, all of a sudden, we're their enemy because we don't want to be part of what they're doing. So and we, we were was
0: what they were doing was was that like illegal activity? Was it just violence? Everything. What, what, what the whole thing?
1: It, it 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 was everything. It it, it was violence. It, it it was theft. It was. I, it it was a little bit it was everything it, it, it was everything so it it was um whew, man you know i i look at how do i explain this i, I look at the talent that was wasted you know in in, in our neighborhoods and you know it it, it the, this these are kids who were extremely bright you know who are, are you know are you no know, are, are artistic i mean just athletic and all these things were Measured based on them, you know what we could see them doing, or what the schools could see them doing, but there was no outlets that there there were there were no recruiters coming to our neighborhoods back then. You know, I I can recall the first the first two guys in our neighborhood who got athletic scholarships to play one to play college ball, uh, college basketball, one to play college uh, football, and the one who uh, who had the scholarship he got three scholarships: University of Washington, University of Hawaii, University of Oregon. That I remember. And that summer he got locked up in jail for, for shooting up a barbershop. Why? Wow. I mean, seriously, he got he I mean he, he he got his his career is over. And I won't use his name, but you know, dude, it, it it's over. For shooting up a barbershop. So I mean, you know, it, it it was like you said, you know, that that kind of um trans transition into that. A lot of guys, including myself, had that. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the guys were just, were just searching, you know, searching. Because, I mean, I can tell you offhand, the majority of the people that I grew up with had a mother and a father in their household. So you didn't have the excuse of, well, you know, I'm, 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 I was raised in the system or, you know, my father wasn't around or my mother wasn't around or I'm hungry or I don't have access. You didn't have those excuses and that's that's just being real. Most of the stuff that you did was by choice. It was by choice. I, I could count maybe on one hand or so the person, the people in the neighborhood, the, the youngsters of the neighborhood didn't have a mother and a father. You know? So that's you had, and that that's that's real talk, you know, because you fast forward now and a lot of it has to do with um, having children much younger. Not knowing any better, not really having the choice. Now, granted, I, I will say that what, what changed my mindset was exposure, as you and I have talked before. And I, I give that to anybody. I give that to anybody and everybody I talk. You want to change your outlook on life, travel and meet other people. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with how other people are living. But we're all the same. We're all the same across the board, man. We all have the same general needs to be to be heard, to be respected, to be loved, to to, to, to feel laughter, to you know, to to, to you know just, just be emotional with somebody. We all have those same general needs. And that that's across the board. But if you don't feel you have a voice, if you don't feel you have an outlet, if, you, if, you, if, if I can't tell anyone what's bothering me, what's hurting me, what concerns me, what I've seen, and I have to process all that myself as a child, it's hard enough to do it as an adult. Yeah, as adults, we, we, we go get help from psychiatrists and from other doctors. But as a child, well, how, how do I tell someone, you know, dad, you know, I, I, saw, I saw this dead body you know, over here in this field, how should I feel about that? And your father doesn't know how. And forget forget the part that it takes anything to actually get to him to talk to him about that. How, as a father, how 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 do you tell your son to process that? I I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. So i you know, it's. It, 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 it's, it's totally different now from when I grew up man. And, you know, once you're out of that environment, and I've been out of it for a while, uh, you, you see how ridiculous it was to actually participate in the things that were going on. Or to even want to be part of the things that were going on. You know, it everything you were doing economically was short money. And by short money, I mean, it. there was no future in it no one retires from being a gangster you know there, there, there yes. is no 401 yeah it's a hustle that there is no 401k there's none of that no one retires from the dope game nobody they they may glamorize it on tv and show you know like like you know the, the pinnacles of it but that's not that's not real it's not nobody retires from that and and people don't forget you know it it, it it's a money the, the streets are driven by money, power, and, and you know, I, sex part, it, it, it's part of the power thing, but that's how the streets are driven, you know, and there's always next man up. There's always going to be a next man up. So, you know, as you get older and you realize those things, you become more knowledgeable of those things. You don't want to do the things you did anymore. You know, you don't. And, and it, it would behoove you to get that lesson early. Or find somebody, find somebody who's going in the direction in which you want to go. Because those those long, steady strides of the people who are doing things the right way, or they have a plan um, and they see a way out you know, years from now, but it's being done the right way, those are the ones you want to cling to. Those are the ones that there's longevity in that, as opposed to if I do this right now and You know, I may be rambling a little bit, but I understand the hustle, the the hustle in the moment. I understand that. I understand that. Okay, well, if I do this right now, I can make more money than I would at a summer job. I understand the mindset, especially if someone of age or someone of authority or someone of, you know, respect is telling you, you know, this is what you need to do. Or please do this. You know, I know you don't have a father. I know you don't have a father. We're your family. I will take care of you. Those shoes that you want, the clothes that you want, those kids would never make fun of you ever again. Come join my family. I understand that draw. I understand that pull. On the flip side of that, those same people who are telling you that, would discard you in a minute and it would be on to the next person to have them do those things. And, you know, as kids, you don't know this. You you don't know this. I mean, I've, I'll put myself out there with that. I've been asked to look out, what, maybe two or three times while someone robbed the house, not knowing that's why I was asking to ask to look out. And it happened to be my neighbor. And these were guys in the neighborhood that I respect. And you didn't know they, you know, stand you in one spot. You know, if you see anybody come into the backyard, just yell out. And you're standing there waiting and you don't see anybody come in. You don't see anything, but you hear all this noise inside the house. And nobody, you never see anybody. You never see the people who ask you to watch the house. But those were the same people that went into the house and went back outside the other way and you're just standing there watching still waiting to see who comes home and then when you see those people come home and they go into their house and their house is robbed and they come back outside because they've seen you in your backyard looking at their house they want to know what you know that wow. that's insane that that that's insane you know so yeah. i mean every not everybody but being used that does does not limit you to to the people you know who you know or who you care about. That back then, and a lot of it now, that's what I say. I understand like the draw now of someone's got their arm around you telling you this is the way it should be done. You know? And I will say this, my father worked all the time. Um, my brothers were, my brother, my oldest brother was in the military. None of that stuff would ever have gone on with them taking advantage of me if they, if my brothers were around or my father was around, because they were no joke and they wouldn't have played that. But that is that transition thing where you see, like, the neighborhoods change, you know? Yeah. We had our house broken into, I can't tell you how many times. And it was all, it was always by someone we knew. It was always by someone we knew. And my father and brother would always leave and come back with the majority of stuff that was taken. Without wow. not, not the cash. Because everybody talked. And nobody wanted my father or brother after them. Nobody in the neighborhood wanted my father or brother after that. They didn't want that. So they come back with the bicycles. They come back with the jewelry. They come back with the clothes. They come back with whatever. But every time we had our house broken into, it was by someone we knew. And with that, those people would disappear for a while. Because they knew that we knew. And they didn't want my, my family after. But it, it it was just it it was a repetitive cycle of of nonsense, man. When you look at it, it it it's a goulash of of, of nothing. Of, of nothing. It's um, I I love my upbringing and I appreciate my upbringing. Um, it it taught me some things. It taught me um, boundaries as far as um being able to view someone who's going to do harm to you. And I and I appreciate that part of it. On the flip side of that as a kid you should feel free to just trust you know so um that, that that's a hard dynamic that, that that's a really hard dynamic and because my sons don't know any aspect of that i'm always on point worrying about them when they're out and they're not with me. even though ones of age i still worry about him being out and the harm that might be done to him because he has no street knowledge in him at all.
0: Well, I'd love to talk about sort of that dichotomy and being able to, um, you know, balance between how, you know, cause you obviously don't want a rough upbringing for your son, but you want him to have some sort of, uh, you know, sort of street knowledge like you called it. But I, before that, I, I want to dive in a little bit deeper into sort of that escalation of violence that you described. Uh, because I'm curious about that, where as you're growing up, things sort of changed. You felt like it changed overnight. And I'm curious, was it, did it start in a certain way, like just physical attacks? And then did it escalate? Um, and did it es- like, when did it escalate to using weapons or using, uh, you know, firearms? Because uh, I'm not familiar if you've, if you've ever, or I'm not sure if you've ever heard of a guy named Jeffrey Canada. He wrote a book. Called Fistic Knife Gun, and he grew up in, I believe it was Harlem in New York, and describes an escalation of violence where you know it started as a regular aggression and turned into you know people just murdering each other nonstop. And I'm curious if it was similar in your experience how that sort of unraveled.
1: Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm familiar with the author. I'm familiar with the story. Um our our thing is, you know, I I, I don't think it's any different. I, I think it depends on your perspective and how you lived it. You know. Um my my middle brother who was uh less than four years older than me, I I watched him in the life, you know, and because I watched him in the life as opposed to my older brother, I, I have that connection visually. I have that uh that that those memories of him. Doing things, and I have uh, stories being told, and I and I watch the respect in the neighborhood given to him based on his reputation, and based on the dirt that he did. And I'll I'll, I'll use this. Um, I wasn't in the life like that. Not not like that. My brother and I we shared. We had the same car, and it's, this is way back in the day. I had a 1974 Mercury Capri. So did he. And these were hot cars like back then. Nobody was buying new cars. Everybody was buying older cars and fixing them up. He had a prime gray car. I had a prime gray car. He had black wheels on his. I had black wheels on mine. He had a louvered hood. I have a louvered hood. The only difference was he had a tail on the end of his. And I went by a friend of mine's house. And this is a neighborhood that we grew up in. Actually, uh, uh, my brother dated. Uh, somebody's over there. And I, let, let me back up. Let, let, let me do this real quick. Anyway, so I went by to see a friend of mine, um, Keisha. We'll, we'll, you, we'll, we'll say Keisha. And it was a street that was an alcove. So it was one way in, one way out. I parked on that street, but I parked down the street because there was no place close to her house, her grandmother's house, sorry. So I started walking back down the street and I see the local gangsters coming toward me. Now remember, I don't gangbang. So I started walking, and they're like, hey, cuz, that's that car that rode on us last night. Meaning that whoever, somebody shot at them or shot them up last night was driving the car that I was driving. And I was like, you guys know me. I don't, I don't bang, meaning I don't gangbang. You know me. You know I don't do that. We don't care, cuz, that's that car that, drove, that rode on us last night. And so I see this guy whose name is Sean also. We used to call him Krabby. My brother dated his sister for years. So I know him and his family. Now, this is one of his cousins and some of the locals. They lift they lift up their shirts. They're about to pop me. They're, they're going to shoot me in the street right there. The difference then, back then, Keisha, the woman, the, um, the young lady I'm telling you about, her grandmother came out and told them to stop. And out of respect for her grandmother, they gave me a pass. That would never happen today. They kill me and they kill her for being a witness. I got in trouble based on the car I was driving, and that was my brother who did that dirt the night before. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's when you, and you know, when I told my, I remember telling my brother about it, and he really didn't have a response to it. And you know, when you look at it now, I wouldn't know how to respond. He'll you know, stay out of the neighborhood. <laughs> 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 You know, and and I can only laugh and joke about it now because I'm still here to tell those stories. But you know, there, there are countless those, man. I mean, I'm, I, I was at, at, at the swimming pool swimming and one of the locals tried to drown me. I remember being revived. And I mean, it, it turns out it was somebody I knew. I went to school with him. You know, he was a year older than me, but I went to school with him. So, and just long story short, found out who he was the next day he was dead. Wow. Now, now who did that? I, I don't know specifically, but I guarantee you somebody, I guarantee you somebody I knew had something to do with that. Guarantee you that. Or are the times we've been, sh- I've, I've been, sh- I can't tell you how many times I've been shot at.
0: That's
1: insane. Yeah, I'm
0: curious really. with, with uh, you know, you mentioned like when you were growing up, you didn't, re- you didn't know you were growing up poor. No. Uh, and it sounds like, you know, a lot of these people in your neighborhood, in your environment where you're growing up may not realize that they're growing up in such a, you know, like when I hear these stories now, it sounds like an absolute war zone, you know, compared to the way I grew up. So, you know, it, did people realize what they were sort of involved in or was it just, it, it just seemed so natural at yeah. the time?
1: Yeah apartments. yeah. It it's it it, 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 see, it seemed, you know, you look at it now, it really seemed organic. Um because like you know, we, we didn't on our street, we there were no apartments on our street. On on any of the streets for that, I mean I'd say for a quarter for a quarter mile maybe, there there, there were no apartments. There were all houses. Everybody rented houses or owned houses. Everybody. So you had um you had a, a sense of Being, you know, where it's just you and your family and whatever influences you had were based on where you were at, you know, for the majority of your time. On the flip side of that, you know, when you went outside, you became a product of whatever people were doing or talking about doing. So my pops worked all the time. My pops worked a regular nine to five. He was a carpenter by trade. He had sixth grade, seventh grade education. He was a carpenter by trade. But he also ran gambling (laughs) houses and strong arm and did those things, you know, right out, you know, right on the other side of the neighborhood. And with that, I guarantee you, and my pops is gone now, he, till this day, if he was still around, he wouldn't know half the stuff I did or, or, or what I was a part of. He wouldn't, you know, it's not that he didn't care. He just assumed we were doing other things that he tried to shield us from, you know, um, my oldest brother, same thing. He, he went away. My middle brother, he knows the majority of what I did because he'd always come find me and tell me not to do that. But I, I was emulating what he did. I was emulating what the neighborhood did. But then again, on the flip side of that, the older guys would be the ones to tell you to go home. Don't do that if I can You know, but while the, it, it, it was like, you know, do as I say, not as you see me do. So so you you would see the stuff going on so it just seemed natural and the guys in the neighborhood especially the younger guys who had the things that roll the things that shine that kind of thing they weren't re- working a regular 9 to 5 they weren't they, they they were selling they were stealing they were doing something else but they weren't re- working a regular 9 to 5 the guys who were working a regular 9 to 5 were they'd call squares or or first ups or these are guys who were going to work every day, but they weren't flashy, but they were consistent. Those are the ones we should have been gra- you, because you didn't know any better, and because there were so few and far between with the youngsters coming up, those are the ones we should have been gravitating toward and utilizing their formula for success. Does that, does that make sense, Patrick? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that makes sense, man. Um, like I said, but organically, you know, it, it just transitioned where it would happen. If everything, um, as, as far as like the, the gangster thing where people started using guns, I remember, like you say, I remember the first time I, I you know, I, I shot again. I remember the first time I saw someone get shot. I remember the first time I was shot at and didn't know any better. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> oh man, but this, this one makes me laugh because I haven't told this one in a while. So I'm hanging out with, um, a few, of few friends of mine, and we're we're trying to be gangsters. We're trying to go left. So we're trying to live that life. And we're walking um, in another neighborhood, and there's a chain-link fence. There's a chain-link fence, and you hear this ching, 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 ching. Like, what is that? And all these sparks coming off the fence behind us. And you look over in the distance, and like I'm doing right now, looking over to my left, and you just see sparks, and you hear pops. Pop, 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 pop. They were shooting at us. Wow! It it it, but it is amazing that, and it was it was maybe four or five other guys with me. It was amazing that none of us got shot. A cha- I mean, literally. It's I mean, if, when you think about it, you know how it's that there's always been something or someone that's kept me here, and that's the way I look at it now. Let's just say I'm blessed, you know, just to have to have the you know opportunity to tell these kind of stories, and I'm not telling them for effect. These are actually real life events for me. That same night that same event we're looking and you see the sparks so we take off and run and we go into the elementary school this is 96th street elementary school in watts my, my elementary school and we're hiding around one of the one of the uh, the shelters one of the bins and i mean straight out of a movie not real talk the guys who had the guns who were shooting at us were chasing us and they came right and they were standing with their backs facing us so we're dug down behind this shelter, and they came and ran, but they were facing in the other direction. All they had to do was make turn around to where their backs were facing, and they would have saw us right there. And and they left. I mean, it's it's you know, man, woo make, make, makes my heart race thinking about that right now. But it, there's always been something that's kept me here, you know. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: It, oh, I was going to say, like, it sounds like, you know, you, you kind of were able to recognize the environment you're in more so than the other people around you and move away from that lifestyle. I, How did you, you know, like, I, I imagine it probably took some time to fully get away from it before you're able to reflect and see how crazy it really was. And, you know, like we've talked about here, you know, it's hard to reconcile that kind of reality, you know, like how do you explain that stuff to a young person, especially someone growing up, you know, or right. you're you're having a hard time, you know, if you're in your adolescence, it's hard enough to handle reality. You're growing, you're changing, but never right. mind handle the violence and the especially if it's senseless violence around you. Right. Uh, at what point did you were you able to sort of break out of that? Was there any event that took place that you realized like this is enough? I need to get away. And no. <laughs> when did <into> the
1: <laughs> No, and, and and but that's see that's that's the cool part for for me. And and when I'm able to talk to kids, or when I'm able to like you know just kind of interact with them and that kind of stuff, I I could I could make myself look good and say, well you know I had this epiphany where I just des- I put I decided this day this wasn't for me. That's not the way that worked. <laughs> I can honestly say I tried to go left every single time. I did. I tried to go left. It just never worked out. Um, my, my my story changed when um, I had an opportunity to travel and stay with uh, my oldest brother. And as you and I have talked, uh, my oldest brother was in Okinawa, Japan. So I had an opportunity to go there and stay with him for three years. And my story changed with that because the environment was different. The environment was water. The environment was tranquil. The environment was unlocked doors. The environment were people... Not not wanting anything from you, or I mean just not knowing you, you, you had a clean slate. you had a clean slate to start all over again. You weren't judged, you weren't um, measured. you had no reputation of anything. It was a clean state clean slate to just be yourself, an opportunity to be yourself. and I mean, just be transparent and be open and be, and just be who you were. And you go through that for any significant period of time, you don't want to go back to chaos. That's when you start recognizing things are not the way that they should be. That's the way that happened for me. And so when I went back, by the time I went back to my old neighborhood, the guys who were, uh, and I won't say who I thought were my friends or who I thought were, uh, you know, people I was close to, all of a sudden, I'm their enemy and not necessarily in the sense where they all wanted to fight, but there were more than a few of them who were mad at me for not doing what I used to do or not being, wanting to be a part of who I was when I left, you know, and that, that kind of showed me, um, what, what, what I wanted to, where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. And it had nothing to do with, uh, my education because I still didn't have that on track, but, I don't want to do these things anymore. You know, I had a thirst for knowledge. I had a thirst for experiences outside of the neighborhoods, outside of the adrenaline rush from breaking into a store or or doing something at a school or that. And it was, it was an adrenaline rush to be running with these guys, sharing this, God, it sounds so sad, um, sharing the, 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 the same marker as far as the, the stuff that you just did. And you know, we we tear up the school, and we went to that school. You know, I I couldn't imagine going to my son's school now and and creating property damage. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's wild, yeah. You know, and I I couldn't. So you know, it, it it it's you know, my 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 mind was so twisted back then, and you didn't even know it. You know, I I never wanted to do harm to anybody, and I will I will say this: that part changed for me also. Um, I remember one of the guys and my brother wasn't around at that time. My other brother was locked down at that time. Um, one of the guys came to me and handed me a gun he said, "I want you to ride with us and I want you to shoot this I want you to shoot these these guys up right on this corner and i didn't want to do it i didn't want to do it and i mean look that's that that's when I knew my heart wasn't in. It. I will say that moment that that was a moment of um of just this is not for me." That this I, I don't I don't want to shoot anybody you know I don't mind hanging out I don't mind smoking weed I don't mind drinking I don't mind any of those things, but this is not for me and you got to remember all these things happened to me before I was fifteen years old before I was fifteen. all this stuff that I'm talking about happened before I was fifteen years old wow, yeah, literally you know so if you look at my life from the time I was like fifteen up until up until now whatever totally different you know totally different um lifestyle is different mindset's different even as a kid um you know how how do i say that word it it makes sense i i I emulated my brother in the sense that my my, my middle brother in the sense of his lifestyle you know he went to jail he he was he was one of the biggest he's one of the biggest marijuana dealers on the west coast And I watched all that be taken away from him overnight. Cars, his his, his spots where he was housing weed, all that being taken from him overnight. And he was in jail. So I didn't have my oldest brother who was still serving overseas. I didn't have him. You know, I I started hanging out with the guys in the neighborhood who were considered squares. Or my, my guy, June, you know, his mother and father and his sister's. And we spent the majority of the time either at his house or away because my mom would not allow my, <laughs> would not allow my friends to come over to my house and hang out. We, we had a small house. Never any less than five or six of us in a two-bedroom spot. So to have another body in there, was just it just wasn't happening. But we were always gone. We were always gone. And you know, we were in Malibu body surfing or you know, we, we, we'd be doing something in, in different neighborhoods where none of the kids looked like us. And the majority of the places that we went, we were the only black faces that you would see. And it didn't matter. You know, it, 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 it was, um, and I, I will say this, my time hanging out with my brother served me well with that. It served me well with that where I was able to integrate to with whoever, because that's how it was in the military. Everybody had the same common goal. Everybody was family. They may not have been born from the same mother, but you were, you were family because you depended upon each other. You had the same common goals. That, that served me well as far as that. So, you know, for me to say that I, I did anything, anything on my own, I'd be lying to you or, or I'd be saying it for effect because that's just not the case. It's not. Well, whether people know they had influence on me, you know, that's a different story. But I've always had something or someone to draw from, positive or negative. I've always had someone to draw from, and, and that still holds true today. Hell, um, no, man, you know I, I'm I'm talking to you right now. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a, a kid a kid from my neighborhood doing a podcast. No, a kid from my neighborhood owning his own business. No, and man, it's just come on now. I'm blessed and, and you know we're not talking like a fortune 500 or just just getting out, just getting out and being able to function in society you know in society normally is a I mean it, it, it is a badge of honor. It really is. The majority of the guys that I grew up with early on, they're all dead. They're all dead.
0: I can imagine I mean growing up in it's a you know an actually traumatic environment. You know, again, like if it's, it's going to be hard to, you know, get a corporate job after that sort of experiences. So, you know, I think, you know, uh, your your development, your progression in life to the point where you're able to, you know, have, you know, have normal things, have a normal life is, is a massive accomplishment from that environment, growing up in that environment where chaos was you know, chaos reigns.
1: Yeah, you know, and and the thing is, man, um, because you don't know, and and it's no excuse not knowing. Because once you know better, you should do better. But it it is hard to catch up, you know. If there, there's nothing wrong with getting a later start, you know, uh, in life, uh, on what, on what the things you're trying to accomplish, but it is hard to catch up, especially when life kicks in, when when being a father kicks in, or when um. Surviving kicks in, or keeping food on the table kicks in. It it's tough. You know, you you can't go back. It it's hard to go back. You know, well, you know, it's I, I want to go back to school and obtain this degree, but I don't have anyone to help me out with my child. It's tough. It is. It's you you, you where you are in life. You 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 have to be able, in my opinion, you have to be able to see past where you are, and that's damn near impossible when on the daily, on the daily, you are bombarded with how it should be for you, what you should be wearing, how you should be, what you should be driving, how you should be looking, where you should be living, who your friends should be, what kind of education you should have. And if you have none of these things, but these are constant influences with you and you're at a, you're at school every day and you're hearing that you are not enough, you are hearing that you basically that, that you're not worthy of anything that someone else has. It's tough. You have to have a really strong mind to say what? You know what? You tripped. This is where I am, but this is not where I'm going. That is what I did, but that is not who I am. And that is always the message that I give now. You know, that is what you did. Well, I'm a thief. No, you stole. That doesn't make you a thief. You know, well, I'm a gangster. No, you've done stuff in that past, but that is not who you are. And you have to be of that mindset because if I call you, you're a thief, that's different from telling you, you know what, man, I remember when you stole that back then, you you see see how how, how that, how that would resonate differently with a child.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's if it becomes a part of your identity, it's something that you reinforce yourself. Right.
1: uh, Exactly. and, and,
0: And having you know, separating your behavior from your identity, I think, is really hard for an adolescent to do because they're, you know, their ego is forming, and they're, uh, you know, it's sort of like a natural thing. You look around at at people of that age, and they create an identity around the things that they like and the things that they do and the brands that they wear and all everything. So,
1: right, you're um, absolutely right. You to be able to break
0: thing. out of that mold becomes, you know. It, it can it's be tough. nearly impossible, especially then when, if you have other people telling you you're a thief or uh, right. your friends, you know, praising you for being a thief. Uh, oh, I couldn't imagine <laughs> at that point you have the social pressures to lock you in, you know, for good.
1: Right. And then and that's, that's it right there. Now I will say this on the flip side of that, everything, no matter where you are, it, it, it it's up to you, you can rehabilitate it. You know, you can come back from anything. You can come back any, from anything except death. Death is final. And that's the only thing, in my opinion, that's the only thing that's final. If you get enough people around you, you get enough of the right people around you telling you or showing you different, exposing you to different, what the possibilities are that are different, you will go, you, you will gravitate toward that. You don't have a choice. You don't. You don't have a choice. Now, that environment would have to be constantly reinforced with some, for some, but you do not have a choice. And I'm a firm believer that if you get some of these kids out of the neighborhood and expose them to nature, expose them to different things, expose them to tranquility, all all those guards, all those shields, all those other things would come down. You know, you hear um, people talk about finding God, and I think that's a great thing. But you need something tangible right now that you can ascertain, something that you can hold on to, something that you can see touch and feel in the moment. And for some people, that is finding God, whoever your God may be. But for others, you got to get them out of that environment because to be absorbed in that toxicity, there's no way you can, am me cursing, there's no way you can be around shit and not smell it. There's no way. There's no way you can be around it and not get that scent on you. There's no way. I don't care how strong you think you are. I don't. You, you have to get away from what it is you're trying to do, man. You know, reading helps, traveling helps, but but you, you need exposure to two different things in order for that to work. And that, that's that's what helped me. You know, um my, my brother, honestly, I told you, my oldest brother, he went he went to the military one day, that night I went to jail. <laughs> wow. Honestly. He left that day. I went to jail that night. I wasn't in there but a day and a half. But I went to jail that night for doing something stupid that I would not have done if he was around. Number one, I would have been embarrassed for him to find out. I would have been fearful for him or my father to find out, but I wasn't even thinking. So you have, you have to have these reinforcements, you know, in, in, in my opinion. And you can find them in, 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 the, in the smallest places. They don't have to look like you. They, they, they don't have to sound like you. They don't have to be the same color as you. They don't have to share the same religion. They don't have to say have the same beliefs. They don't. They just have to have the same the same view as you know You know what, man? I'm, I, I want different. I, I want different from what I have. And in order to get different from what you have, you got to do things differently. There's no way around that. There, there, there's no way around that. You know, I I I love my old neighborhood. I love my old neighbor. It's changed, but I love my old neighbor because without it, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be talking to you right now. You know, I I wouldn't be the man that I am right now. I wouldn't have um the, the ability to talk to people who make millions of dollars to people who make nothing, or being able to identify with both, even though I'm not I don't make millions of dollars, that's not what I'm saying. But to be able to interact with those and I'm comfortable in any environment. Any environment, you know, that's that's uncommon from my old neighborhood. It is.
0: Well, we. we about, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, we mentioned, uh, and I want to get back to it. Like the, you know, I feel like you know you're probably able to be comfortable in any environment because you've you know experienced a wide range of environments. And right. you talked about your son and how you know you want him to. You probably wouldn't recommend the lifestyle that you had growing up, but you still want to have some semblance of, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> like being able to experience enough adversity to, to right. learn grow from it. How, right. uh, how do you, you know, ride that fine line?
1: Um, for, for me, man, um, <laughs> uh, let's see, how, how, how do I want to say this? I, I, I try to balance, because hmm, it sounds bad. I, I, I look at, I look at my father. My, my father did not teach us. Uh, my father had a sixth grade education. He knew more streets than anything. If I if I wanted to know how how to talk to my son about something or how to deal with my son, I think about how my father would handle it, and I do the opposite. <laughs> and then I, I mean, honestly. And, and, no, it, yeah, it, no, it's you know, great. Yeah, it, it it always worked. and so with that, I find myself because I still had that that street energy in me, and it, there's still some of it in me now. Um, I'm trying to expose my oldest to some of the environment in which I grew up in or take him to my old neighborhood and just watch him lock the car doors or make sure the car doors were locked was hilarious to me. You know, so I'm like, dude, you're safe, man. No harm will ever come to you as long as you're with dad. But Dad, did you see those guys? Yes, son. I grew up over here. I'm trying, this is where I grew up. This is what your dad was a part of. Now, you fast forward to now where he's done like a few school papers, you know, he's, he's a senior in college now. Um, but he's done a few, a few school papers on his dad and his dad's upbringing and his environment, you know, and, and it makes me proud when he comes to me and wants to know, or he's inquiring about those things. Um, and all, all of that is just because I was always transparent with him. I was always transparent with him. Uh, Sometimes a little too transparent where he couldn't process it. But I've always, whatever you want to know about dad, you ask me. Whatever you want to know about my lifestyle growing up, anything, you make sure you ask me. Because I do not want him, and I have a 12-year-old also, I don't want either one of those to ever have questions about their father and what their father was like completely. You know, I, I can't tell you a whole lot about my father outside of the things that I tell you. I love him. I love him. You know, he was a good guy. Um, but I found out more about him since his death than I did when he was alive. And he's been gone nine years. He's been gone nine years. But I found out more about him in his death than when he was alive. You knew some of the things that he did. You knew some of his escapades, so to speak. But you didn't know the details of some of the stuff that he did. You know? Um, and I will say this. My pops, uh, he 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 was... um. He, he, was, he, was, he was like two or three different people. You know, he, he, he helped start the Sons of Watts, which was an organization that rivaled the Black Panthers back in the day, which was recognized by the state of California for the stuff that they did in the neighborhood, as far as protecting the neighborhoods, as far as uh, uh, growing food in the neighborhoods, as far as helping kids with their homework, as far as patrolling the neighborhoods. And, I mean, I, I still have the plaque in my office at my studio. With all the names of the people who started it on it, he left that example for me. Even though he didn't do it with talking to me, he didn't do it with showing me a map for that. I had that example. Um, he, he was an extremely strong guy. You know, you have to be to grow up that way and still be okay to function. You know, to 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 raise a family. Um, my, my, and I give that story to my boys. You know, know your history. Always know your history, where you come from. And that has nothing to do with me. But I mean, just, just transitionally, you need to know where you come from. We don't come from doctors and lawyers. That's not where we come from. But you do not base your value of yourself or anything that you do from here on based on what your lineage is as far as what people have done. You base that on the good and bad and the, and the person you know, the person who, who, who's your father, who's your mother. And I mean, he, my boys come from great stock. That that's the way I have to look at it, and that's the way I explain it. They come from great stuff. It has nothing to do with base. It has nothing to do with it being based on what I've accomplished or how many degrees I hold or anything like that. You know, um, I, I yeah. expose them. To, I expose them to the people around me. I expose them to my clients. Um, and you know, and I and I, I feel comfortable enough with my clients. Why share my stories with them? Because it may help them. It may help them view someone different. It may help them view someone of color different. And that's just real talk. That's real talk. You know, because the majority of my clients, I guarantee you, I guarantee you I'm the only black face to interact with on a day. <laughs> and, there, there's nothing wrong with, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if, if that exposure helps you when you're out and you don't view someone the way you would as if you, because the only images we have on television primarily are negative. The news is not going to show you when, you when we go out and feed people. The news is not going to show you that, but they're going to show you if they're in a high-speed chase or some dirt that you've done. That they're not, they're not going to show you those other things. And as a family, we feed people every year. Every year for Christmas time, we feed as many people as we can. We give out as many clothes as we can. You know That, that is what we do as a family. We've been doing it every year for 17 years as a family. That is your stock. That is the giving nature of what you come from, not the other things that Dad did in his past. But I'm always open and honest with them about that. So I, I think that helps. I know I'm rambling a little yeah, bit. With that, not, but not
0: yeah, no, not at all. i I think that's really important to to be totally transparent and to confront, you know, the reality of your past. Uh, because you know, otherwise, if you cover it up, it it sort of seems uh, it it, it can seem sort of like uh, seductive in a way. You know, like. Right. Uh, like especially for for you know if it's your son growing up you know he's gonna want to people usually want what uh they can't have or you know sort of seems out of reach like they're they're gonna sort of run in that direction so I, right. I, it's that's You're really right. important to talk about it openly.
1: You're right, and like I said, I, I have um all kinds of questions. If, if my if my you know knowing what I know now in hindsight is twenty twenty, but if I knew then when my father was around. And my mother were around. What I know now, I would sit with them and have all kind of uncomfortable conversations. All kind of un- because now you don't have you don't have access to them. You can't ask them. You can only hear you know second hand or third hand the answers that you have if you get answers for those things at all. But I would love to have the opportunity to talk to my father about his upbringing, or dad. You know, did I did I ever did I really matter? I know my father loved me, but I've never heard my father tell me he loves me. That just wasn't his way, but I would love to like conf- not to confront him, but um to ask those hard questions, those uncomfortable yeah. questions. Those those questions are uncomfortable. I would love because I have it in me now, and I you know I thirst for that knowledge now. So with that, my boys, my, my sons, I make sure I tell them that every day. My youngest, I know he gets tired of me with that, and he has his own cell phone now, so I'll call him. Yes, Dad. I'll call him time after time. You know your dad loves you, right? I know that. Why do I love you? Just because. you He needs to hear that. He needs to know that. Because I'm not always going to be here. And when that time comes, you know, my, my dad loved me to death. That's a good feeling. You know, because I grew up wanting that and I didn't have that. I never want anyone else to to feel that. You know, and I, I talk talk to to the kids and I talk to them now. And you can tell, man, that they're just, that they're, they're searching, that they're, they're, they're hurting, that they're, they're hungry. That they're hungry to know that they matter to somebody. You know, they're they're hungry to hear that. They're hungry to feel that. And and some of them they, they don't have it right now. But it, it can be life changing if you feed into if, if you if you just just kind of like you know breathe life into that. It, it's it, it it's it's, re, it's beyond rewarding. It, it nothing takes the place of that. no, no other feeling for me takes the place of that, no matter what you accomplish. You get someone and you can just see their head raise or their shoulders come back. And all of a sudden they have confidence where they're going to kick in a door. That, man, that is so powerful to me. You know, it's cool to hear stories from others who who are in the middle of it or who have gone through things that you've gone through and you're able to tell them, you know what? You're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. It's gonna take time, it's gonna take work, but you are gonna be all right. You can come back from this. No, you don't understand. I get it, I get it. And you can tell your stories and things like you? Like, yeah, me. You know, I may talk like I'm from the suburbs, but it doesn't mean I grew up there. But my story, and, and then once you start telling them things that you've been through, or things that you recognize, or even dropping names of people that you know, you know, initially they chuckle because you're not coming at them you know, suited up. You're not coming at them with with the criminal record. And those are the things that typically give you street credit. And I don't have that. I don't, but I do have those experiences. And I do have connected people in that sense, guilty by association with family or friends or whatever, where, you know, you know them. And if you see them, it would be all love. But you just didn't live that life long enough to, to have those hardships that they had also. But being able to, man, to change a life on the daily or just have the opportunity to do that, it is so freaking rewarding. Patrick, you have no idea well, I'm not I'm not saying you don't, but I mean, for me, it, it 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 beats any and everything, man. It really I does. It and, yeah, it beats any and everything. Um, you no, know, I'm damn. Whew. A little emotional with that. You know, I think about the guys that I grew up with that I lost, or the ones who were shot in front of me, or, or the ones you'd hear about once you were out of the life. it's, you know, it's, it, it, it still tears me up. It really does. You know, you push it away, but it still tears me up to this day. And it's, you know, it's, it, it doesn't hurt any less, you know, and because for me anyway, because I'm more so in contact or in touch with my emotions than I was back then, back in the day, if somebody got shot, you get mad. You, you, you didn't process it through mourning. You didn't. You didn't. You'd get mad and you wanted to hurt. That's how it was. You know, and I've, I've done more um, crying, more soul searching, more reminiscing, more of those things in my later adulthood than I did as a kid. And I lost more people as a kid. Um, And it shouldn't be that way. You know, you should be able to process those things early. You should be taught to process those things as a kid. You should be taught that it's okay to cry, that it's okay to feel hurt, that it's okay to feel pain, that it's okay not to know what to do but just scream as a kid. Because if you are not giving an outlet to those things as a child, when do you give those things an outlet? As an adult, you give it as an outlet to your children. You give it as an outlet to your job, a person of authority. You give it as an outlet to your wife or your girlfriend or any of those things because you have all these things bottled up. It shouldn't be that way. So you, in my opinion, we should always start these kids early, man. We should always start these kids early. And that's what I've tried to do with mine. Now, I've had some bad bad daddy moments, (laughs) like all (laughs) parents, But ideally, you know, I I want my kids to be able to come to me and talk to me about anything. You know, and um, and the only way that's going to happen is if they're transparent and if they're, you know, if I'm transparent and if they're comfortable in doing that, because if they're not comfortable, they're not going to share. They're not. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So where can we where can we direct people who maybe are. You know, they find themselves in a situation where they're in a bad environment or they need to break out of that environment or they need to get around new people. What would you normally recommend to someone who's, who's sort of feeling stuck in that kind of situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, man, you know, if, if, if they're local, if they're here in Los Angeles, uh, my brother-in-law runs We Care Outreach Center. And it is for reformed uh, knuckleheads. And, you know, nothing wrong with being called a knucklehead. I'm a reformed knucklehead. Um, These are gangsters. People have done time in jail. And you would not know them based on how they're living now, based on them running their own businesses, based on them giving back to the communities, based on lifestyles and that kind of thing. But We Care Outreach, which is located here in Los Angeles, in the city of Watts, Um, my brother's name, my brother-in-law's name is Michael Cummings. You know, he's married to my sister. Solid dude. Really good guy. Um, if you can get into, if, if you don't have access to anything like that in your neighborhood, oh man, I, I, I can go really deep with that one. Be careful what influences you, be be careful what you're feeding yourself. You know, and, and we are in a hip hop society, and I, I gave this talk to uh, a small group this past weekend of women. You know, if I hear one more song with the word bitch, nigga, dick, pussy if you are constantly being bombarded with these with, with these lyrics you know it, it, it's hard not to to to, to be to, to be impressed with those things it's it's hard not to think that that's uh the, the way you talk around women or the way you treat women are that in order for me to be any kind of man or to have any kind of man in me this is the kind of lifestyle I have to live It, it it's Tough man, if hmm, you you have to stay active, you have to stay active. And I could give you know the, the easy scenario: read, get outside of your neighborhood, get into a good church, and all those things are great. But you have to find people who are going where you are going, and and it's not easy. If you are trying to eliminate the lifestyle that you have, you're gonna have to do things different. You, you're gonna have to be around people who are going where you're going and that has nothing to do with monetary and if those things make you a better person whatever it takes to to, to make me not 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 beat my wife I'm I'm there whatever it takes me to not curse at my children I'm all for whatever environment I have to be in a part of in order for me to find tranquility in order for me to find peace I'm all for you know (sighs) what I said earlier, there comes a time when you, you don't have, you can't make excuses because you know that there has to come that time as a man or as an adult, you know what, man, I'm, I, I can't keep doing this. You know, I'm losing friends left and right. You know, I'm I'm losing my, my, my wife, I'm losing my girlfriend. My children don't like it. And if it's everybody else, chances are it's you, you can't blame anybody else except you. So you have to start taking some hard looks at yourself and actually ask for input from people you respect, not people who are and people who are going to tell you the truth, not people who are going to sugarcoat stuff and tell you everything that you need to hear. And those are going to be some hard lessons for you. And on some, some of those times, you're going to even push back because you don't want to hear it. But you still need to be reflective of those things and process that and then apply it to your life. Because if you don't think you have any issues, if you don't think you ever make any mistakes, come on, man. Chances are that that's you. You know that you can't you can't recover from anything if you've never done anything wrong. I'm, I'm, I hope that makes sense, man. Um, my 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 thing with with what I do, and I have the opportunity to challenge and change lives daily. I love what I do. That 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 is my um that 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 is my church, so to speak. That that is my ministry, so to speak. Without being Bible-based or anything like that, I have an opportunity to interact with people who don't look like me, who don't come from none of them come from the same backgrounds as me, but I have an opportunity to influence and change their lives for the better on the daily. That's why I love what I do outside of the cosmetics. It's an opportunity to get people stronger. Yes. It's an opportunity to increase their lifestyle. Absolutely. But it's an opportunity to get people together. It's an opportunity. We did a woman's self-defense class this past week. We got a men's thing going on, a fitness class going on this week. I love getting people together. And and the people I love getting together, none of them have the, none of them share the same background. That, that, that is my ministry, so to speak. Yeah, so, I think it's you know, great. I think it's yeah.
0: fantastic.
1: So, awesome. uh, you know, I, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, how, how much of that helped with, with that last question, man. But yeah, you, you have to be mindful of where you are. You have to take some responsibility. You got, you got to sit back and look. And it has nothing to do with where you are. I, I know people who have money on top of money and they're not happy. Or money on top of money and they're lonely. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it. It's, it's taking responsibility, you know, and I think that can be a real challenge for people. Uh, because, you know, I think instinctually we're quick to try to shift the responsibility on, onto one or another factor that, that is affecting us. Whereas if you caused it or not, if you take responsibility for that part of your life, you can start to reconcile ways to change it.
1: Yeah. And, and, and you can move forward. I had this talk with, with, uh, with, with the kid the other day you know i consider he's like a son to me he's like a son to me and he messed something up but he was trying to place blame on someone else and i was like no so i pulled him aside like that's your fault no but you don't yeah i understand that's your fault and i gave him illustration on why that was his fault and if he has enough of that reinforced all the time that that will help That that will help. But if he's not being told that by me or by anybody else and he's just going through life doing the same thing over and over, that's that's going to be his reality for that also. So you're absolutely right, man. It's it's a tough thing to do, but it is doable. It is doable. You you, got to be around like minded people. You got to be around like minded people.
0: Absolutely. Well, Sean, thank you so much for sharing all these stories. Sure. I, I'm I'm so glad we are able to do this because, uh, you know, I, I think you, you've come a long way and you get got a lot of valuable insight to share. And, and I, I'm sure the listeners will have some key takeaways from this that, you know, either they can implement in their own lives or help other people recognize in theirs.
1: No, Patrick, thank you, man. You know, I, I appreciate you giving me a forum to, um, to speak, you know, in, in any time, you know, anytime. And, you know, my, and just being honest, my story is not any different from most people who, who've had the same things go on. You know, I, I'm just, I'm blessed in the sense that I'm here to tell it. And I enjoy telling it because I know that it can potentially help others. You know, but, but my hardships are no worse than most people who've had hardships, you know. Um, and I can say, you know, a lot of that is because we grew up in an environment where we didn't know we were part of that environment. So you know, I'm I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you, man. I'm thankful that David put us in contact with each other. In fact, I don't even know how David found me. <laughs> 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 Being honest, that was I a
0: mystery.
1: It. Yeah, I mean, seriously. I, I think I'm gonna email him tonight because I always I always thank him after after these kind of things. You know, just thanking him for the opportunity and finally, you know, how did we meet? Or you know, where do you know me from, or anything like that? But I, I'm thankful for you, man, and I'm thankful for thankful that you gave me a platform for this. So I appreciate you. I applaud you
0: absolutely thank you so much Sean. it's my pleasure it really is an honor to have you on the show and i appreciate you again sharing these stories and and uh you know talking about these uh you know talking about this stuff because it's it's not easy to talk about so thank you and uh and you know before we wrap up is there any final words you'd like to leave with the audience any any last asks or requests
1: no man i mean um shoot you know i not I, I don't want to put myself out there like that but you know i'm on and in I'm, I'm a kid who grew up in, in the middle of a neighborhood where you didn't have a whole lot to do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm no different from any of those other kids. You know, I have, I have more experience outside of that neighborhood than I do inside that neighborhood. I have, uh, I have, you know, beautiful family, my boys who I love to death. You know, I have a small business here in Los Angeles where I love what I do. You know, and I, I wouldn't trade any of that for the world. And so with that, if I can be, and this, if, if you can measure where you are based on that little bit, you know, because I, I didn't have, I didn't have a blueprint for this. I did. not I fell into what I do. I fell into what I do. And by God's grace, there's always been someone or something that's kept me here where I've been able to like have some, uh, have some bad moments or make some mistakes, but be able to recover. That is my reality. And because that is my reality, that can be your reality. You know, you have to be able to see past where you are. You have to be, you can do something as simple as extend your reach. You have to be able to see past that hand. You have to be able to do it in the moment. You have to be able to do it in the day. You have to be able to do it in the minute. You have to be able to do it in the second. And look at the small things that you do. The small things that you do. If you're trying to measure your life and your successes only by big accomplishments, you're going to be missing a huge, huge part of the picture of your life. It's the small things. It's the small things. It's the small temptations that you may have where you are right now that you don't give into that breed success. And if you are consistently doing those things, practicing those things on a daily, you're practicing how you speak to people. You're practicing holding your tongue as opposed to biting back at people to, that make you mad. Those things will serve you well, not only in the work world, not only your friendship world, but in your family. And for me, there's no more rewarding thing than, than when, when I'm just hanging out with my family and we're able to just laugh and talk and be real with each other. And, and, and I mean, just, man, it's, it's bliss. It is, it, it, it is total bliss. And they don't want anything from me. They don't expect anything from me. And they know me for who I am and how I am. And I, I you know, I, I wouldn't trade that for the world.
0: It's a beautiful thing.
1: Thanks, Patrick. I appreciate you, man.
0: Thank you. Thanks for coming on.